0: And welcome to the Fantasy Faithful podcast, the FPL show brought to you by thefootballfaithful.com. I'm your host, Steve McGovern, and I'm joined by Will Thomas from Fantasy Football Hub. And I have one question for you, Will. Are you excited to start the new season, only to feel like giving up after the first week?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing for it. It's been completely mad on site, you know, running a fantasy football website and doing all the, the marketing and stuff. But actually sort of beginning to get really, really excited about playing the game and getting involved and uh, that you know everyone feels like in game week one you can win the whole thing and then yeah as you say (laughs) your hopes are very swiftly dashed when it comes to sort of game week two game week three and you're you're hovering around the million mark and you're thinking oh god it's going to be one of those seasons but no very much looking forward to it at the moment.
0: Yeah, well, it's great to have you on because you know personally I like surrounding myself with people who actually have a clue what they're talking about, and then I can just pass them off as my own. And in that vein, you know, you you run the website called you know Fantasy Football Hub. What what exactly does it do? You know, for people who aren't familiar, like what what's it all about? Like how, how do you help people get better at fantasy football?
1: Yeah, sure. So I I mean started the, the the site over a couple of years ago now. So you know we're still very much a startup, but we we've got the aim of just having everything you could possibly need for fancy premier league under one roof in terms of you know we've got all the articles from top ranked players incredible rank histories we've got opta stats at your fingertips where you can you can find out all the key metrics very very easily very quickly we've got comparison tools we've got fixture tickers player profilers we've got a brand new points projection tool which is very very cool it's uh, it's created by a uh, something called massive data which will, will probably take me about 10 minutes to explain so i won't go into that but yeah we've got an amazing community as well in our you know our slack channels and, and whatsapp groups as well for, for people who are interested in that so basically anything you can think of we
0: we've tried to cover it and incorporate it into fantasy football hub so what you're saying is if i subscribe to fantasy football hub i will be guaranteed to be champion of fantasy Premier League that's what you're telling me right now
1: absolute guarantee first place uh if you you subscribe today for sure yeah yes yes no we we interview well I actually interviewed uh last year's winner Joshua Ball on Saturday and he's someone that's going to be revealing his his team on site uh it was just sort of fascinating to to get his insights he's a oxford mathematician and um yeah the the way that he plays the game is sort of is really interesting we get you know people that uh like that that have interesting insights and and that's part of what part of what our, our offering is on
0: the hub great so uh, people can check out your website fantasyfootballhub.com if they want to check out dakota UK. sorry dakota uk sorry <laughs> i'm just so used to .com but yeah there you go uh, but in this episode, we'll be looking ahead to the first round of games, the kind of must-haves, the must-have-nots. You know, a couple of dilemmas heading into game week one, and uh, hopefully we'll answer some of the big questions for players heading into this uh, new campaign. But before we do anything, Will, I have to ask you, what is your team name? Because this is how I determine my level of respect for a person.
1: Uh, my my team name is uh, Goodwill Punting.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. You can that. get away with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you get away with that one. Yeah. <laughs> I do. at the minute mine, I don't know. I, I I always have like a placeholder. Last um last year I had a big dike energy and Ooh. I was happy enough with that. And um this year it's uh Tuna brine. in Brian. In Briana, Brian. Is that too much? Yeah. Yeah, that,
1: it's, it's pushing it a little bit. Yeah, right? it's it's a little <laughs> bit,
0: but um I haven't seen anyone else use it. That's why I've kept it for the moment. But uh, if I come up, uh, hopefully I'll come up with a funnier one. <laughs> right. So there's so many high-priced premium players around. Like it's... When the prices came out, I was kind of like, ooh, like this is going to be tough. You know, you're going to have to make some really tough decisions. We don't have anyone really like a Kevin De Bruyne who came in at a really good price last season. So it's going to be hard to settle on just two or three. Who are the ones that you think you 100% need to have heading into the first couple of game weeks?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess there's three slots which are three premium assets which I've had in every single one of my drafts so in some ways it's actually a fairly easy question to answer first one of those is Mo Salah I mean I know that Mane's been uh been good in pre-season matches but uh you know if you look at the numbers last season uh, just Salah just bosses him on all all the key metrics over Mane and the fact that sort of Milner is, playing a lot less in Liverpool that means that Salah is going to be on pretty much all penalties so that's another reason to go for him so I just think you know Salah he's been the high scoring points scorer over the last couple of seasons you know if you look at sort of total points over the last two seasons so he's proven he's playing in the champions team he's on penalties he's uh he's a great captain pick so for me he's pretty much a lock in my team the other one that I think he's a lock at the moment is um, Aubameyang. And, uh, you know, he's got a couple of really nice opening fixtures. He's obviously a midfielder now, so he gets those clean sheet points and he gets the the points for extra points for scoring goals. If he was a midfielder last season, he would have been the second highest point scorer overall. So I think that that change to midfield is definitely going to benefit him. I do really like De Bruyne, but obviously City missed that first game. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, an Aubameyang to De Bruyne switch, around game week three is something that i'm i'm very interested in and i probably will do the other premium option which, which i'm really excited about is werner and you know the the chelsea forward he's he's i think he's come in at 9.5 which is massively underpriced i think he should have been at least 10 probably 10.5 in reality You know, he comes with an incredible record from Bundesliga. He's going to be spearheading that Chelsea attack, which just scores a hell of a lot of goals and they've got a lot of good signings. So for me, those are the three sort of premiums that are, are pretty much locked into my team.
0: First of all, Mo Salah. I mean, obviously, he's been the must-have over the last few seasons. I remember when he first came in, I said it in our chat with Big Man Makar in our first two episodes, you know, Mo Salah, when he first came in, that was one of the best moves that I ever made because I got him the first week because I knew of how good he was for Roma and he went really under the radar, I think. But I'm just wondering, he only got three goals after Project Restart. His finishing was way off. Like, he got loads of chances, but his finishing was way off. Is there any sense that maybe he's not quite as much of a no-brainer as he was in the past? Or... Or is that just crazy talk? Because again, you know, twelve point zero is a lot of money to spend on a player.
1: Yeah, and no, I think that, that that is a sort of a valid point. I would say that last season he was, you know, twelve point five and I don't really see the justification for making him cheaper. I think that Mane on balance, he's probably the better finisher. He he just doesn't get as many chances. And for me, I I want to see my players getting a lot of chances. And, you know, if Mane had come in at sort of 11.5 and Salah was 12, then I could see sort of a justification for, for going Mane. But, you know, with Salah, just the, the pure shot volume that he gets, is, his expected data is, you know, just through the roof. And the fact that he's going to be on penalties, I just I can't really see the justification going for Mane, even though, as you say, Mane is probably the better finisher of the two.
0: And you mentioned Timo Werner there. He's he's a player I'm also incredibly excited about, Um, even though he plays for a rival team of my club. But I mean, he's just uh, he is kind of punching into that elite level. You know, he could be one of the star strikers this season. But, of course, with so many Chelsea signings, I'm wondering, like, what system are they even going to play? Like, how are they going to fit all these players in? You know, you assume he's going to start, but you don't know. And then I wonder, is it maybe better just for the first couple of weeks, maybe to have someone like Jamie Vardy, who's only 0.5 more expensive? He plays West Brom in the first game. Do you kind of think maybe that that's an option or is that trying to be too clever?
1: No, I think it's a def- definite option for sure. Um, I, think that, I think Vardy's a really good pick, actually do for a minute think Vardy you know he, he's a proven FPL asset isn't he and um you know he's Leicester have some brilliant fixtures as well uh I do think you know Chelsea they they've got some mixed fixtures o- opening they've got play Brighton away which I think is a good fixture you know Brighton tend to play a little quite a high line so Werner good at running behind that as well and they play Liverpool game week two obviously Liverpool have a really good defense but again they play that high line I think that Werner might get some some opportunities running behind and then they play West Brom away Crystal Palace at home so for me I think that just for the value that he offers I do think that he's just you know been massively underpriced I'm personally he's a lock in my team but I, look, I can totally understand the justification for, for going someone like Jamie Vardy as well. You know, as I said, Leicester have got some good opening fixtures as well. And Vardy is, is a proven asset. But, you know, I think the potential for Werner to score big is, uh, is a lot greater than Jamie Vardy.
0: One player I want to touch on in terms of the must-haves because he's owned by 53% of players, unbelievably, is Trent Alexander-Arnold. And you know, that's not a real surprise considering how just unbelievable he was. I thought he should have been in the conversation for Player of the Year more than he was. At the minute, I actually, only today, I can't I put in Andy Robertson over Trent just because he's a little bit cheaper. And I just felt like being a bit wild, you know? And uh, <laughs> But, I mean, I was looking at some of the numbers. like Robertson last season, he had the third most touches among defenders in the opposition box last season. He had two goals, twelve assists. yeah, you know, we had twenty nine less points, but like his his numbers are very good. and actually the the season beforehand he had, I can't remember exactly it was two hundred and something points. and um he has a high ceiling. I think he can get a lot of points. and I'm not necessarily saying he's going to outscore Trent, but just looking at the, you know he he's only owned by thirteen percent of players at the minute, and he's slightly cheaper you know i I i think he could be a really clever option some people are going for both trent and robertson which i think if if you can make that work i think that's the way to go but uh what's your take on that on the kind of trent versus robertson debate
1: well first of all i think you know trent is a is a brilliant pick and he he's another one that's all locked into my team and i actually you know i think he's a brilliant value pick as well you you look at you know his his comparison, for example, to you know similarly priced midfielders, similarly priced forwards, and he just blows them out of the park. He's just got so many routes to scoring points. You know, obviously, Liverpool turn out clean sheets. Obviously, he's got the assist threat. He got or second most big chances created last season after De Bruyne. He's obviously got the goal threat with the free kicks and also more of an assist threat with with those corners as well. Having said that, I think that Robertson is also a fantastic pick. And both of those players, you know, if if Trent had been priced... I think I probably would have still gone for him that's kind of how much I I think that he's a he's a great pick and similarly with Robertson you know at 7.0 I think that he's definitely been underpriced he's not currently in my current draft but Robertson is featured heavily in a lot of my drafts I've actually gone for the Liverpool double up in quite a few of my drafts just because I think both of those are massively underpriced and you look at the you know the community shield Robertson played really well in that as well so he's obviously in form he's proven he's great value so it's difficult to sort of weigh that up I think him being 0.5 cheaper than Trent is probably about right and I think that he offers a little bit less but again you know if you can use that 0.5 wisely then you could potentially just go Robertson obviously you know there's a little bit of a risk because uh, as you said Trent is extremely highly owned but if you want to play that game and um, you know you want to uh, go for Robertson I-, I think that there's definitely justification to f- for doing that for sure.
0: Yeah. And just in terms of, like you said, the the kind of value of those players, even though it seems crazy, 7.5 mm. for a defender, it doesn't seem like great value. But last season, Trent got 210 points, which was more than Aubameyang, more than Raheem Sterling. And then even Robertson as well, 181 points, again, more than Rashford, Kyungmin Sun. So just a lot of points there to be gained overall. So I think whoever you pick really is, is just going to smash it out of the park this season yet again. And moving on to bang for your book. So this is talk about the, the best value players, not necessarily the budget players, but you can mention some of them if you like, as well. Just who do you think is just going to get the most points per kind of million? in the game this season. I mean, an obvious one, obviously, is Alexander Mitrovic, 6.0. I think everyone knows that one at this stage. Like, a lot of people already own, own him. He had the second most shots in 2018-19 behind only Mo Salah, and he had 11 goals from 14 expected goals. So I think he'll be kind of a solid pick this season. Is is he on your list, or is there anyone else kind of that you see as a really good value pick?
1: Yeah, I think I, just to touch on Mitrovic briefly, I think he's a really good pick, and he's actually my latest draft. I would say, you know, he's... His shot volume has always been impressive. And I think that's partly because he takes a lot of headers and historically headers are pretty poor at converting. So he will take a lot of shots. He'll be hot, top of the, the, the shots charts. But if he's top of the goals charts, I'll, I'll be very surprised just because he he's not necessarily not good at converting, but he takes a lot of headed chances, which tend to be harder to convert. That said, I do think he is a good pick for the start of the season, just because Fulham in that 18-19 season, they started very well. And uh, Mitrovic started very well, actually. And and just because of their squad depth, they, they massively sort of deteriorated throughout the season. They they sort of became the whipping boys. And I, to a certain extent, I think they've got a better squad this time around, but I can see that happening again. But for the start of the season, you know, they got some pretty decent fixtures and obviously Mitrovic on pen's going to be spearheading that attack. I do think that he's a great value pick. In terms of other ones, just for as you as you mentioned, point per million there, I think that Mitchell for um Crystal Palace, 4.0, you know, if you're if you're looking to save the pennies, he looks like he's gonna be a starter and it, he looks like our best 4.0 option. So I think obviously he he's gonna be fantastic value. As we mentioned, Trent, fantastic value, Werner, fantastic value. There's also a lot of 4.5 options. You know, you look at the likes of Justin at Leicester. He looks like he's going to be, uh, you know, a starter at right back. And then you've got Finagra from Wolves again. And that looks like he's going to be another starter again both of those coming at 4.5 playing in you know top 7 teams you think that they, those guys are offering terrific value as well so there's a, there's a good bunch out there which um, I really like the look of for sure in terms of value pit.
0: the only thing about Venagra, yeah. there is a, a rumour going around that he actually will be sold before the beginning of the season which would put a big dent in a lot of people's drafts because he's been kind of like you said touted as as one of these good value picks who's guaranteed to start and, and now that they got a uh, you know Marsala and you know who knows what's going to happen there but We'll see what happens before before the start of the season anyway. I think one that's been mentioned a lot is Phil Foden, 6.5. Post-restart, he featured in 9 of 10 games, played 300 minutes less than Aubameyang, but took 24 shots compared to the Arsenal Strikers' 28. He had an XG of 3.07 compared to 3.99, and he ended up on 50 points, which is just three behind Aubameyang. And uh, they both scored the same amount of goals five so he obviously doesn't play the first week but i think 6.5 he's one maybe you could have on your bench would you think and have him then for the the second game week onwards
1: yeah i think foden is is a great pick and you know when the prices got released i thought there, there's no way that i'm not going to be starting with him yeah. in my game one team at 6.5 you know even if he comes you know even if he doesn't start for PET, which i do think is is a bit of a risk then he's likely to come on. And if you're coming on and City have just run, run their opposition ragged, which they do most games, then he's got a good sh- chance of scoring in like the last 20 minutes. So, and as you say, towards the end of last season, he was taking a lot of shots. You know, he's a player which I really rate. And I think the Pep does really rate him. Obviously, Pep Roulette, is he going to get a lot of minutes? That That's certainly a question mark. And of course, City blank in the first game. And then they play Wolves, uh, Wolves away, I believe, which is not an easy fixture in the slightest. So for me, I think he, he's a player which I'll probably look at bringing in from game week three onwards, but I probably won't
0: start the season with. I think you know West Ham actually have a lot of decent value there. I mean, obviously Thomas Suchek at 5.0. he's probably the best value midfielder out there in that price range. Anyway, just because he he has the opportunity to score goals. And just at, at someone like that, that's exactly what you want kind of as your fifth midfielder. But then also they have Mikhail Antonio as a forward. He's 6.5. Jared Bowen, 6.5 as well. And so I, I feel like if if West Ham get their shit together this season, I think they, there's a lot of good value there if they start scoring goals. Of course, the drawback is that West Ham could equally be absolutely dreadful. So you never know what is, is going to happen there. Now, for under the radar, so these are the kind of players who people aren't really talking about, they aren't really picking. The first player I have up here is Jack Grealish, who was an attractive option last season because he was nailed on. And if Villa did anything in attack, he was almost certainly going to be involved. He had the second most key passes in the league with 91 so he was second only to kevin de bruyne he had eight goals seven fpl assists and 149 points which was 10th among midfielders his form did dip after the restart but that was mainly down to kind of villa's more defensive approach i don't know why people haven't been talking about him as because he's only on 12 percent ownership but of course this is all kind of pointless because he's uh, gonna miss the first week due to that blank is there anyone else you think is kind of flown under that radar will yeah no,
1: i think Grealish is, uh, is a good pick. I think he's probably been fairly priced. And, you know, at the, start of the you're always looking for those players which have been underpriced. And your your mention of Suček there, I do think that he's been underpriced at 5.0. I think he's, you know, one of the best budget midfield options. One word of warning about him, though, is that uh, it looks like he, he may have been quarant- quarantined for coronavirus. So just bear that in mind if you are thinking of bringing him for game week one. And also West Ham, obviously they got a plum tie against Newcastle for the first. Game, but then they play Arsenal away, Wolves at home, Leicester away, Tottenham away, Man City at home, Liverpool away. So horrible run of fixtures after that nice game week one tie against Newcastle. So again, I think Antonio is a is a great shout for the budget options. Moving on to potentially some other under the radar picks. I really like Luke Ayling actually. He's a player from the, obviously playing for, for Leeds, and uh, Leeds look like a proper team. I think they're going to be they're going to do well in the Premiership. Obviously, he's got a little bit of a, a tricky first match <laughs> against the champions away. But then Leeds have a have a fairly decent run of fixtures. So for me, I think Luke Ayling is, uh, you know, if you're looking for a 4.5 defender and you don't mind maybe bench him for the first game, you know, at 4.5, I think you can definitely bench someone. Then I really do rate him. The other uh, under the radar picks, I quite like Barnes. As we mentioned, Leicester have some really good fixtures. And coming in at 7.0, he he's got some, you know, he had to take a lot of shots last season. Uh, You know, since game week 25, he had the second most shots on target with 11 amongst midfielders under 7 million. So another interesting shout there. The other under-the-radar pick coming in is... Adams at 2.2%, 4.88 points per appearance since the restart, scoring four goals and one assist. A lot of people are talking about Danny Ings from Southampton, but Adams coming in a whole 2.5 million cheaper. I think that he's he's a really interesting shout. And you know, Ings I can't remember Ings ownership percentage exactly, but I think it's over 20%. And I should say that Ings is a good shout, but you know, if you're looking to save two and a half million, which is a fair chunk, and Adams could be uh, a
0: really good sort of differential option as well. Yeah, Ings is coming in at just under 26%. So over a quarter of all the players have him at the minute. So he is kind of you know, very popular. Yeah, in, in terms of what I have down here is uh, Richarlison. You know, he is owned by 11%. So I don't know if it's necessarily under the radar, but at 8.0. I think he might be a good pick. He's been re-designated as a striker, so maybe that makes him slightly less attractive. It might make it difficult to fit him in if you want like someone like Werner or, or Ings or something like that. Um, and it feels like you kind of have to pick between one or the other but he had three goals from 18 shots and two key passes after the restart so it's not amazing stats but Everton were pretty much on holidays the last couple of months of the season and uh, yeah he's one though that he always pops up he ends up popping up but I don't know I I don't feel like people take him very seriously though as an option
1: Uh, he's a player that I've added my team a fair fair bit over the last couple of seasons so I definitely take him seriously as an option as you say it's a he's a he's a little bit of an awkward price point to sort of squeeze into your team and I just think that there are some better I don't think he's a bad option I just think there are some better options but you know they Everton have some decent fixtures as well you know they play West Brom, Crystal Palace, Brighton all in the first four game weeks so I think that he could be an interesting route If, uh, yeah, if you're looking to go in for the Everton lot, I do like, quite like Calvert-Lewin as well 7.0 instead of Richarlison's 8.5 I think that he offers potentially quite a bit of value as well. I,
0: I, I kind of feel like Calvert-Lewin is a void to be honest with you because I think I think you're kind of just hoping he hits form and if he's not in form I don't think he's going to do much so I, that's just my opinion though. like but yeah I've, I've seen him kind of touted as an option but do you think Hamas Rodriguez coming into Everton makes a difference or do you, do you think he's going to flatter to deceive
1: yeah I think I think it could make a difference and you know he's I, I really rate him as a player and I, obviously I've mentioned Werner and he he's a player that I've got in my team but in general I like to see a player play before you know in the Premier League make sure that they're all they're guaranteed starts and um, make sure that they're, yeah, they're nailed on they fit in with that team and they really make it you know an impact on the pitch before I look to draft them in my team so I think having one or two players from, you know, either promoted sides or new players to the league is a good thing. But having sort of multiple players which aren't necessarily sort of guaranteed, don't quite know how they're going to fit into the side. And for me, Rodriguez, is he probably fits into that sort of latter category. So he's not a player that I'm considering for, for my own team, but I'm certainly very interested to see how he fits in. And he, he's certainly on my watch list over the first few game weeks.
0: Cool. Well, moving on to this week's big dilemma, and it's an obvious one. We're going to talk about the blank weeks for Man City and Man United in game one. Obviously, Burnley and Villa are as well. But of course, the two Manchester clubs are the ones that everyone is, is thinking of because they have so many, like I said, must have options. And yet having them in the first week is kind of, I don't know, feels a bit weird and unnecessary So we're going to try and come up with a couple of solutions. I think everyone was, you know, immediately everyone wants Kevin De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandes. Those are the two players after last season who would have been in everyone's draft in a normal season under normal circumstances. I mean, in, in such an unprecedented situation, it's actually difficult to know what the right solution is. I suppose the thing to keep in mind is, Everyone is in the same boat. Basically, everyone is going to have to make changes or transfers after the first week. So, Will, what what is your solution? Are you going to wildcard after the first week or are you going to bank a transfer? Are you going to take a hit?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. To be honest, it's not and I haven't made a final decision on this. What I would say is I, I wouldn't look to wildcard in game week two. I think that's a, a massive error for several different reasons one is that, that we're expecting some double game weeks around sort of between game week 19 to 20 around that point now if you can save your wild card to game week 16 you can set yourself up really well for those double game weeks so i think if you can hold on to your wild card then that's going to be really important but the other reason is to not to wild card that early just because you don't have enough data and you know you want to see who are the players that are playing well. What are their what are their stats? What their what are their fixtures? What's their um, what's their form like? And you know you just don't have enough information after one game week to to make a good decision on that. The third reason is COVID, and you know there could potentially be you know fixtures that are not played, players that have to get quarantined, and if you've got a wild card in your back pocket, then that could be extremely useful. And we just don't know when that would happen. We don't know how much it will affect it. It might not happen at all, but having that wild card in your back pocket could be very, very useful for that. In terms of my particular strategy, I'm actually thinking of benching Fernandez in game week one. Now, Fernandez is a player that, you know, he absolutely bossed the end of last season. He had 8.21 points per game for the the end of last season. Absolutely sort of staggering. You know, even if he gets somewhere close to that, he's going to be a fantastic pick. I think he might even be my captain in game week two. I'm a big fan of him. He's got so many different point scoring routes and that's what you look for in a you know in an FPL asset he's on free kicks he's on penalties he's got a really big assist threat he's got a goal threat he's got everything you want so i'm currently looking at benching fernandez actually and just making sure that i have a good game week one side and then he automatically comes in part of the reason is that for your game week one side you're not going to get everything right you're you're going to make mistakes there are going to be players which you really do want to bring in in game week 2 that you know aren't city aren't united And if I'm already planning a a transfer for game week two, I want to bring De Bruyne in for game week three. That's two planned transfers. And that means you're almost certainly going to take a hit. And, you know, I could start with someone like Son in game week one and then switch them to Fernandez. But, you know, is Son going to score me enough points to sort of justify pretty much a guaranteed hit to Fernandez? I don't think he will. So, you know, that's my current thought. As I said, I'm certainly not. Set on it, but um, currently I've got Fernandez on the bench. I don't know what. What do you think of that idea? Too yeah, much. I've, I've too much you know, money to have on the bench.
0: Yeah, I've I've debated this in my head, and I'm I'm really not sure. I can see the logic in it for sure. I have not created a draft yet with that particular scenario um, like I said I've thought about having Foden in there Um, I think I have had him in, in at least one draft and then I'm kind of like uh, basically of those two clubs we're only gonna have Foden after the first week like I, you know like you, you kind of want to make it worth it I guess at the same time so I I was wondering like would you <laughs> would you possibly go like fill your bench with Man City and Man United maybe have three players from those two clubs and just kind of hope you get away with it in the first week I, I think it's a it's a fair strategy
1: because i don't if think there's
0: you, a perfect solution here i think, no, I think whatever isn't. you do like you can yeah. you can i kind of think it's justified if you take a hit you know what i mean like if you, if you think it's worth it and but at the same time it's kind of like look it's only the first couple of weeks you know there's no rush i don't think at this stage so a wait and see approach might work and i think remember there's 38 game weeks so this isn't going to be done after you know five games
1: the issue with them is, you know, if you were looking at cheaper players, it'd be pretty easy just to bench them. But, you know, having Fernandez at 10.5 or Royne at 11.5 on your benches, to a certain extent, sort of cripples the rest of your team. And everybody everybody wants to get off to a good start, don't they? Nobody wants to be bottom of their mini league after game one. So if you if you're benching, you know, a lot of value, then, you know, you're, the rest of your team isn't going to be so good. I do think that, because because you've effectively got sort of a blank slate for game one, you can make sure that those sort of cheaper value players have a really good fixture, and that's what I've done in my latest draft. Is to, you know ensure that players that would play instead of uh, a Fernandez are are have got good fixtures, and that's what you can do with a with a little bit of planning. So that's the route I've gone. But to be honest, I, I think that you know a hit game week two is is definitely justified. So I can't blame anyone for going that route either.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think the thing to do maybe for people is just plan who you're going to swap. Who do you have who you know is only going to be a pl- placeholder? And you mentioned earlier how your plan might be to have Bamiyang the first two weeks because those fixtures look very uh, attractive and then bring in Kevin De Bruyne maybe at game week three or, or thereafter. And I think that's maybe the way to go is, is like what players do you have that you think are good for maybe the first couple of weeks but are expendable? at the same time so uh, I think that's kind of the way to go uh, with that in terms of fixtures you know a lot of people talk about fixtures these days because planning is such a huge part of the game how far in the future do you look because admittedly this is something I find hard to do I tend to be a bit reactive and it can bite me on the backside but uh do you like to to gaze in the crystal ball longingly and and look ahead to you know November December time
1: uh november december maybe that's a little bit too far (laughs) that's too far that's way too far for me if i was sort of looking at a premium striker a premium midfielder then i'll probably look between sort of four to six game weeks in advance to make sure that they've got good fixtures if i'm looking more at the budget end of the scale maybe your goalkeeper for example maybe your your bench players i want those players to be in my team for the long term i don't really want to be messing around with transfers wasting your transfers taking hits on on defenders and, and cheap players. So for that, I tend to, you know, look up, up to 10 game weeks, maybe even, you know, yeah, maybe even longer for... Like my my goalkeeper for for example McCarthy, I've looked at his fixtures right up until Christmas time when we get to to make our next wild card. So I think it's slightly dependent on you know the the position, but certainly for you know strikers and midfielders, four to four to six game weeks, I probably the the route I look to go. And you know just having a look at the fantasy football hub fixture ticker, you know Leicester fantastic fixtures spurs fantastic fixtures sheffield united great fixtures chelsea southampton you know these are all the teams which i'm definitely looking to target for my first sort of you know bunch of games and and then you know obviously you've got your transfers and you can switch these players out but certainly you know you want to look at i would say minimum for four weeks in advance
0: just in terms of goalkeepers there actually because i meant to ask you earlier who do you think is the most have at the minute, because I've got Ramsdale and and I could probably do better in terms of price. But I mean, uh, some, some people have talked about, I don't know how to pronounce, pronounce his name. So I'll just say how it's spelled Meslier at Leeds United, uh, because some people have really bigged him up and said he's brilliant. But obviously, I'm not sure exactly if I want to go down that route. Is, and you mentioned McCarthy. Is he like the must-have, or do you think there's a few good options there?
1: I think there are a few decent options. Uh, I actually started with Ramsdale, you know, in my first draft. I thought, you know, um, Sheffield United have got some good fixtures. And uh, they, you know, I'm a big fan of Chris Wilder, the way that he plays. And and I just thought, you know, Ramsdale coming in, 5.0 point a good value keeper. And as I said, I interviewed Joshua Ball, the guy who won it last season, and he's got Ramsdale in his side. So, difficult for me to to argue against him but you know I just think that that 0.5 saving can be used quite well in the rest of your team so I've gone for McCarthy in a 4.0 just to free up budget for, for the rest of the team and as I said Southampton have got great fixtures they had similar sort of defensive stats to Sheffield United last season I wouldn't say they're as good but they're not too far off that uh, that makes me think that he's good value I think Leeds I'm not going to try and pronounce their goal- goalkeeper's name but I do think that they've got some good fixtures after game week one and they look like they're going to be able to defend and I I think that it could be a good shout to go with their keeper at the moment as well. I don't think there's any sort of you know must-have goalkeeper at the moment. What I would say is that I wouldn't be spending any more than five million really. I think that's the max. You know, I wouldn't go looking at you know the likes of Allison or Edison. It's just they don't offer the value that the cheaper goalkeepers do.
0: Yeah, and especially with those, with the big clubs, you might as well spend your money elsewhere because, you know, if, you, if you're going to get Alisson, then it means you're taking away one Liverpool place. So that's always a reason to avoid them. Back to the fixtures, though. Who do you think has the, the best fixtures, early doors? I know you've mentioned a, a, a few of them, but who do you, who like really hits the sweet spot for you?
1: So I think over the first two game weeks is Arsenal, actually. You know, Fulham away and West Ham at home are just really really plum ties so you know I think Aubameyang for those first two game weeks is is pretty much close to a must-have but then their fixtures get a little bit awkward that's kind of why I'm going for the De Bruyne switch but you know elsewhere I think South, as I mentioned Southampton they've got Crystal Palace away Spurs at home Burnley away West Brom at home first four game weeks really really strong run you've got Everton Spurs away West Brom at home Crystal Palace away Brighton at home really nice run of fixtures as well Leicester as well you know they play West Brom Burnley West Ham and Aston Villa all in the first five as I mentioned so These are the type of teams, you know, that I think that there isn't sort of any sort of massively standout team which has, you know, brilliant fixtures every single game. But there's certainly some which have very, very favourable ones.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I'm not looking forward to that first game of the season for for Fulham. um, Because we're playing, because just remembering the last time Arsenal came to Craven Cottage, it was just an absolute bloodbath. So maybe you're onto something there with Aubameyang as potential captain. But again, in terms of the first two game weeks, actually, Newcastle, you know, have made some good signings. They just announced uh, Callum Wilson, and they've got West Ham and Brighton in the first two games. So maybe if people want, say, Max Mann or potentially Callum Wilson, they, that that could be. Uh, and they've, like I said, uh, they made some good signings. So who knows? Maybe they'll surprise a few people this year. At Spurs, I think have some decent fixtures. Although I suppose Everton and Southampton in the first two games they're not exactly gimmies. But then after the international break, and like you said, looking well into the future, into October, I think their fixtures look. Great. So maybe if you get them in now long term, the likes of Matt Doherty, Youngman's son, Harry Kane, they'll be in your team up until you know like the midway point nearly. And I think Man United actually, again, once they get their blank week over the out of the way, they've got a good run. Crystal Palace, Brighton, and then Tottenham and Newcastle. So um, yeah, some good ones to, to look out for. And at this stage, this is the kind of only thing we can go off really is is the fixtures because form doesn't really count at the minute. But um, are you one of those, would you avoid your Europa League teams? Because I, I saw today that apparently if Spurs progress in both the League Cup and the Europa League, they'll have nine games in 20 days. So that's almost one every two days. So are, are you going to avoid those teams?
1: I think it's you know it's a it's another factor to consider it's a bit of a boring answer but (laughs) I think it's it's another thing to just be aware of you know I know Mourinho he likes to keep a pretty solid sort of steady back line so I'm definitely considering Doherty you know I I think that he could be he could be a really good shout and uh yeah I'm a a Spurs fan for my sins so I sort of want you know one player in there even though I know that I shouldn't because of that reason but uh yeah I've, I've currently got Doherty in my team so i do think that you know potentially Spurs could offer some value and you know if you want to go a bit cheaper I think davies as well Spurs like to sort of tuck in with a with a back three and the the right back sort of runs a runs a lot further forward so that's kind of one I've gone for doherty but davies he looks like he's going to be nailed on in that spurs to side and comes in one point one million cheaper so there are some assets which I'm definitely considering despite that Europa League to fight, you know, despite them playing loads of fixtures. The other thing that, you know, just going back to the fixtures quickly is Wolves from game week three onwards have an incredible run of fixtures. Really, really strong. So like Man United, probably not one for the first game week, but definitely consider their assets from sort of game week three onwards.
0: Yeah, and that's one we'll thing to consider. Let's say if, if you have Team Werner and it actually turns out that he's only being eased into the squad or he hasn't hit the ground running, you can easily go to Raul Jimenez then in, in, in that case. Right. Moving on to, oh, captain, my captain. And uh, we'll get you to uh, maybe highlight some of the uh, best picks for captaincy in game week one, Will. Uh, Generally speaking, I mean, it's kind of like you might as well captain your premium players. Otherwise, what's the point in having them? I think is, is the attitude of a lot of people. Is there really any looking past Aubameyang versus Fulham? I mean, he the, the talk is that now that Willian has come in that actually Aubameyang might play as a central striker, which is funny because he's been redesignated as a midfielder, obviously, for FPL purposes.
1: Yeah, I think he's he's a great shout. To be honest, I'm torn between him or Salah. I don't think that there's sort of a clear winner. If you look at our brand new points projection tool, then it has both of them at the top, but it actually edges towards Salah. So I think Leeds are a very good side and I don't think that Liverpool are absolutely going to steamroll with them. I think that, unfortunately, I think uh, there's a there's a good chance Arsenal could potentially steamroll with Fulham. So I, I think that there's potentially more upside with yang, but... I don't think you can go too far wrong with Salah. I haven't made my mind up between those two as captain. It's going to be one of those. I think people, certainly new players anyway, can get sort of a bit too clever with captaincy. At the end of the day, you've got to go for one of the premium assets and, you know, just got to keep it sort of, obvious and uh you know if you do that over the season then more times than not your your captain will will get you points and and that's kind of what you want i think that you don't really want to overcomplicate it and certainly Bamiang or salah fits that bill early
0: doors definitely in terms of maybe a, a little bit of a differential pick a bit of a froggy captain's pick uh, what would you say to like something like Min Son playing Everton at home or Jamie Vardy versus West Brom at home looks very attractive you know and on any other like let's say last season when he was on form like you would be captaining Vardy at a fixture like that like no brainer
1: yeah no i think that he he's a he's a good shout just think that that uh, you know boring as it is Salah and Aubameyang are probably better shouts. the other one which you know if you if you did want to go differential despite me saying that you probably shouldn't is um I still I think Verner you know away against Brighton as I said Brighton play that high line he's likely to get in behind them obviously it's a little bit of a risk for his first game for Chelsea but I think that the potential certainly there you know if you if you want to get off to an absolute flyer then it, it could be an interesting route to go.
0: Cool. Well, I have a question for you from uh, my cousin, Mark, actually, because he's a big player. He actually he never played fantasy football until about five years ago, had lost interest in football for years and then uh, picked it up when we started having a work league. And uh, he won the first three times in a row somehow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just <laughs> picked it up for the first time. And uh, basically, he wants to ask about mentality. How do you deal with bad weeks and how do you combat kind of complacency or cockiness after a good week?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, to, to me, it's a weird one because what happened last week is, to a certain extent, completely meaningless like you don't really care about last week what you care about in fpl is always next week you know mm-hmm. to a certain extent last week points they're, they're gone there's nothing you can do about it All you care about is future points potential of your team you don't care about past points so for me it's something which i'd like to say i do but you know i don't always do you know there's always going to be those knee jerks you know get rid of x player didn't do anything last week but i think the more you can try to just think logically and think I've got these players in for a reason and I've got them in for a certain time frame. It doesn't really matter how many points they scored last week. What's important is how many points they're going to score next week or what you think they're going to score next week. So you've got to look at their stats. You've got to look at their fixtures and a certain extent form as well. But, you know, those are those are the the, the key things that I look out for when deciding, you know, what transfers to make. I very rarely make a decision sort of based on last week's points alone. So it's certainly you know there's a lot of biases, and my previous role was uh, as a psychologist actually. So there's there's a lot of psychological biases that you you need to be aware of than than when when making FPL decisions. And I think that you know being aware of the fact you know if you have a bad game week, just sort of taking a breather and not making knee-jerk transfers is certainly the biggest sort of learning curve for for someone new to the game but it sounds like your 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 friend mark has um been very good at not doing that you know he obviously uh knows how to play
0: fpl by winning all those leagues well we always text each other about you know fpl constantly and uh i got to tell you, a lot of our WhatsApp messages are all about agonizing over the terrible mistakes we've made, um, I suppose. Yeah, a lot to think on there in terms of, you know, looking forward and maybe just putting last week to bed and, and moving on. Right. So we're going to conclude uh, today's episode with a game of either or. So, Will, I will throw two players to you and you have to give me an instant answer on which one you would prefer. So there's no thinking about it. You just answer straight away. So you ready to go? Let's go for it. Mo Salah or Sadio Mane? Salah. Eric Dyer or Matt Doherty? Doherty Diogo Jota or Raúl Jiménez? Jiménez Bruno Fernandes or Anthony Martial? Fernandes Timo Werner or Hakim Ziyech? Werner oh, That was an easy one to be fair hyung min Son or Richarlison? Son Kevin De Bruyne or Raheem Sterling? Oh, De Bruyne And finally, Trent or Andy Robertson? Trent Okay, some of them were actually too easy now that I now that I think back on it, but uh, maybe uh, next time we have you on, I'll give you some tough ones maybe to think about. But, I don't uh, know,
1: that, that De Bruyne-Sterling one is 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 still tricky, you know, everyone, yeah. I think the, the easy answer is De Bruyne, but I think
0: that Sterling's definitely got the potential to outscore him this season. 100%. W- the weird thing about Sterling last season was that actually his kind of creative output disappeared. Yeah uh, He only had like Two assists I think And He had uh, 19 goals And I mean That was an amazing haul But um, Be interesting to see now If he gets back on that Because obviously I think Kevin De Bruyne Had just picked that, all that up Because he was Fully fit last season So We'll see anyway How that goes This season Will We wish you the best Of luck Where can uh, People find You know You you guys online And stuff like that On Twitter etc
1: Yeah so our, our main Twitter account Is FFH Underscore HQ You can find me At FFH Underscore Will and just to give a cheeky plug for Fantasy Football Hub membership, if you are interested to sign up, go to fancyfootballhub.co.uk forward slash and you get 25% off membership.
0: Yeah, remember, it's .co.uk, despite what some shysters are trying to <laughs> tell you. It's.co.uk, people. All right, th- thanks a million for having you on, Will, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again soon to uh, talk more Fantasy Premier League and, again, agonise over our terrible first game week. Nice one, Steve. Thank you very much.